Hold your wrists and plug your nose, because it's time to get dunked. You're listening to Plygonometry. This is a interesting story, family, fun time podcast, where every week I sit down with a relative and we talk about polygamy and a lot of other stuff. You know, I was thinking about this the other day, and putting polygamy in like the public eye has never been without its criticisms. Like even back when it started, like way back in Joseph Smith's time, Right, like when he did it, nobody liked it. Governor Boggs didn't like it, and then they booted him out west. And even then, the federal government didn't really like it that much, and the surrounding people. And now South Park's making fun of it and making millions of dollars about it. So I don't know. It's never been that great, and I'm no exception for some weird reason. Um, but basically, like one of the most common and consistent things that I've heard is basically like, hey, what? So. Chris has a podcast about polygamy and there hasn't been anybody currently living polygamy on the podcast yet? What? Come on. Oh, that's dumb. How is he expecting to claim a nuanced perspective on this lifestyle without talking to people who have lived or are currently living the gospel? And I get it. I hear that perspective. And to be honest, I couldn't agree more. If you're listening and you know someone who is currently and actively living polygamy that is willing to sit down with me on my show, then reach out to me on social media. I'm available at any point in time, and if I don't answer immediately, it's probably because I'm at work or something or busy with something else. But I will get back to you, and I think it would be awesome to have people on the show to give and provide that nuanced perspective. And this week is the first edition of That Step in That Direction. And without furthermore to say, other than send in your questions to at Pod if you want your questions on the next ANYSR, the episode that I have this week is one that I sit down with a man who lived polygamy for most of his life He's been married to four different women, three of which were all at the same time. I know, crazy. And his episodes are going to be airing over the next several weeks with one or two weeks in there of different guests just to make sure that he doesn't overstay his welcome in y'all's ears. He basically makes the Dos Equis guy look like he complains about the Mondays. You know, He makes the most interesting man in the world look like the least interesting man in the world. He makes that guy look like he has his own pair of bowling shoes. You see what I'm saying? He is a master storyteller and one of the most influential people in my entire life. His biography, From Illiteracy to the White House, is available for purchase on Amazon. Join me by being a guest to the story of the man, the myth, and the absolute legend, my grandpa. I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you and laugh. You said that we are recording. Oh, okay, uh, this reminds me of Secret Service on my very first, uh, very first report. Only um, the person that was interviewing me and taking my report was a hell of a lot more beautiful than you, son. <laughs> who who was <is> this? <laughs> oh, I believe it was some White White House intern in a miniskirt and. Knew how to take shorthand, and I was scared to death. It was my first report, and I didn't know how to write, and I was, didn't know how to spell. And all I had to do was just talk to her, and she took it all in shorthand, typed it all up, to come back, read it to me, and had me sign it. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that first report with the Secret Service, what what was the purpose of that? Was it just kind of like a basic, okay, intake interview, kind of like set you up, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself kind of thing? or No, 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 no. It was when I put Ron Ziegler, the uh, press secretary, up against a wall and under arrest, and I, <laughs> I was only two weeks out of the academy at the time. Yeah. So, so wait, hold on. So Ron Ziegler was the press secretary. That was Nixon's press secretary, yes. Okay. About Watergate and all that. Okay. Well, let's let's wait to get to the Watergate stuff for okay. a little bit later. Okay. Let's uh let's start. I'm just telling you what I. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 That's totally fine. Not a big deal. Um, I'm I'm anxious to hear about it. So, where would you like to start? Um, what's the foundation of what we're doing here? I just want to hear your story, basically, and. Like what we said earlier today, like if you if you wanted to start when you were kind of a, a young man in your more formidable years, just basically like I know that you've lived an amazing story and and, and life and everything else. Um, and basically you you tell me whatever you want to about like what was it like growing up for you in Oregon and and all that stuff um, leading up all the way through whatever you want. So, well, I was born I was born in December 19th, 1942. War was on. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad had furlough, had leave before he was going to be deployed to North Africa. And so he was there for my birth, and then I didn't see him for three and a half years until the war was over. My mom didn't either. That was back in those days. Everything was by letter. No phone. So where was your dad deployed? He was with Patton pretty much through the war. He was deployed uh, right after I was born. From what I understand, from what he has told me, I do not have his military records in front of me. I need to get them. Uh, he was deployed in North Africa. Mm-hmm. He was with Patton up through, uh, up through Italy. And then he was uh, with Patton when they liberated Boston. Okay. And uh, so during those war years... I didn't see him when he came home. When he came home, of course, I was about three and a half years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the time he got home, and it was an adjustment for him. Yeah. yeah. And you, do you remember that time when he was home or when he first got back? Or was that still kind of a fuzzy memory for you? That's, fuzzy, that's a fuzzy memory. The thing, the thing I remember most about uh, while my father was gone was I was the only child. Of course, I got a lot of attention. And I was raised a lot by my grandma because um, war years, mom worked at the Oregon shipyards. We lived out on the Oregon coast for a while. I believe it was Seaside. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember, I can remember that a little bit, the wood walkways and this World War One veteran without any legs pushing himself on a cart and yeah. worried worried about me that that's probably my youngest memory and then i remember i remember pointing uh and it's in my book from illiteracy to the white house yeah and i remember that pretty clear being in that restaurant and that man shooting a gun and then i jumped up pointed my finger at him and went bang bang uh i was fearful for my mother at that time and so i was doing whatever Three and a, it was just just before Dad came home, so I was three and a half about that time. Okay, and I was worried about my mama. Yeah, <laughs> so I pointed my finger at him and went bang bang. Yeah, <laughs> my mom writes it up in the book there for me. She remembers it, the details of it better than I. Yeah, 
Yeah. So, so you wrote a book um, from illiteracy to the White House. That's correct. Kind of detailing basically your life story all the way up until, until what point exactly? Like, where does the book end? The, the book ends. The book ends with me coming into the White House. And that book, when I wrote the book, <laughs> well, Brady, your uncle Brady was partially at fault. But it was more, <laughs> more the grandchildren. It was like I don't really have to work that hard. I've got a grandpa that was illiterate, and now he and he ended up in the Secret Service. And I wanted to put the put the story straight on that. And so I decided to write. I decided not to write so much a book, but kind of a a history of of me. Okay. For my grandchildren. Yeah. Like you. Mm-hmm. So that you could read it and understand and not use this as an excuse. Well, I got a grandpa that ends up in the Secret Service and Border Patrol and all this. And, and, and he didn't go, he didn't even get out of grade school successfully. And so why should I have to do my homework? That, <laughs> uh, uh, your Uncle Brady pulled that off, tried to pull that off when he was, I think, in junior high school. And it didn't he work. used that as an excuse <laughs> oh, for bad yeah, grades. Yeah, I, I can't remember the teacher's name. You'd have to ask your Uncle Brady. He remembers that. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to have to do my homework. My, my dad didn't. <laughs> ended up in the White House because yeah, he, he didn't even know how to read. He didn't even, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know, nobody wants to go through what I went through on that. Yeah. But anyway, where were we? So you, your dad gets back from the war. Yes. When he come back from the war, I didn't know it until years later. My, my dad had a Purple Heart. To this day, I don't know. I've got to get his records. I don't know what it was for. Mm-hmm. But as my mom said, he wasn't really the same person. You have to understand, Second World War was bad. Oh, yeah. Now, your, your father and I have one thing in common, that we're both Second World War buffs. Mm-hmm. And and, uh, and um, high level of interest in, in high level of interest. Yeah, Second World War, mm-hmm. and uh, it was tough. It yeah, it was hard. It was hard on the soldiers. It was hard on my dad, and my dad was in Patton's army on top of it. Yeah, and uh, so when he came back, it was tough. He decided to treat me and raise me the same way that what I figured was my biological grandfather raised him. I found out later it was my step-grandfather carried the name of Williams and so he took the razor strap to me yeah and it was tough and uh he he took when he when he spanked me beat me whatever you want to call it with the razor strap it was out of love he really loved me Mm -hmm. but it was hard on me so what I'm interpreting is that um he used those disciplinary techniques Handed um, down from his stepfather. As a family. as a way of like, this is the way it works kind this of idea. This is the way it works. Gotcha. And I was a thumb sucker. Mm. I uh, had a speech defect. I was born with a very high cleft gotcha. in my in my mouth, and I couldn't speak. And, they, and at that day, they thought it was from sucking my thumb. And so my dad would slap my hand out of my... And I was actually sucking my thumb, I think, because I had a... It was because of the way my dad was treating me when he came back from the war. Kind of a self-soothing technique, maybe. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I was a thumb sucker. And then I chewed the corner of the collar of my shirt. Mm. Pictures of me as a first grader, second grader, with my collars of my shirt just chewed because I fit your, Yeah, your lapels. Yeah. Couldn't, gotcha. Couldn't uh, suck my thumb anymore, so I chewed on the lapel on my shirt. So... That uh, that was kind of tough. And then about the time that my dad realized, I hit his razor strap. 
he, he beat me with a razor strap. And this is a, a razor strap, meaning like a stropping strap, like a piece of leather that he used for his straight razor, correct? Yeah, because a lot of people shaved with a straight razor at that time. Yeah, yeah. And so I hid it. I remember <laughs> where I hid it. I hid it in his own closet, him and mom and dad's, mom and dad's closet, and her mom's, her mom's black, uh, black, uh, um, they called them slips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of an undergarment. Slip. Yeah. Okay. So she had this black slip, and I hid it underneath the slip. And I remember one Sunday morning, I'd get up early, and I'd go out, especially in the summertime, and Dad came out on the porch. and says, where's my razor strap? No, where's your razor strap? <laughs> <laughs> I, I Ricky did it. Of course, Ricky was hardly walking at that. <laughs> <laughs> you blamed it on your little brother. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's a typical sibling. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I found out later from my mom that he did the same thing to his dad, and I think he realized that because it stopped. After you hid the razor strap, After I hid the razor he didn't strap. use it anymore. Nope. Whoa, okay. Nope. And he started taking me fishing, started doing things right, but it was too late. Mom divorced him. So how, how old were you when that happened? The divorce, when the divorce came through, I was uh, just coming out of the fourth grade. Okay. I was nine years old. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So from fourth grade onward your parents were split and your mom didn't remarry correct oh yes she did she did okay i didn't yeah. know that we went and lived with grandma and grandpa i went to the fifth grade in vernonia oregon mm -hmm. the summer after school was out uh we went to roseburg oregon roseburg roseburg oregon gotcha yeah and then mom uh Required his kids to enroll in school. All of the kids weren't in school. I was, I was starting the sixth grade, and okay. I entered the sixth grade as, under the name of Brosig. Brosig, B R O S I G. Brosig as a surname. My last name. Gotcha. Yeah, surname. And so I was Brosig. I enrolled in school as Brosig. Uh, Peggy. Let me see. I was in the in the sixth grade Peggy would have been in there yeah I think Ricky I'm not sure I think kindergarten or whatever but all of us kids were suddenly brosigs I didn't like it that's for my whole rebellion I do not remember I do not remember the sixth grade I remember being in the sixth grade in the sense of a yellow school bus coming by mm -hmm. never I do not remember getting on it I do not remember school to this day I'm be 78 years old in less than a month and I have absolutely no memory of sixth grade. I'm going to school in sixth grade. Was that the only year that you have a lapse of memory, or was there other years? That's the only year. Okay. Now, I have I have full memory of what I did. That's when I raised the blackbirds. You saw some of the pictures yeah. in my book, the blackbirds, the mm -hmm. actually starlings. And when I raised, raised those, and uh, I wrote the story in there about that. So I have um, very exact memories yeah. of that but I have no memory of school. I couldn't tell you. The only thing I can remember about the sixth, I, I can remember the fifth grade. I can remember the fourth grade, third grade, second grade, first grade. Yeah. I remember the first grade because I had to do it twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you doubled down on those memories. I, I, yeah, I doubled down. <laughs> and I did the eighth grade twice and still couldn't get past it. But anyway, <laughs> so yeah, I doubled down on the first grade, but I could remember all those, but I cannot remember one thing except... Marbles was very popular at that time, and I remember there was a playground way out there in the field or something, and then the rings and playing marbles, and that is just a very faint memory. Of playing marbles out in the playground? 
playing marbles. I don't know if it was a playground or where. I have no, I, I don't know about the teacher. I knew, I knew who my teacher was in the fourth grade. I knew my teacher in the fifth grade. Uh, I knew my, I knew, uh, in course, after the sixth grade, we, I went into junior high school in the seventh grade at Joseph Lane. I remember everything about that. Mm-hmm. I remember my first year in the eighth grade. Of course, I flunked all these years. And first year in the eighth grade, uh, my name was Brosig. And, and uh, my second year in the eighth grade, I was halfway through, I told my mom that uh, I wasn't going to do this Brosig thing anymore. You didn't want to be a Brosig. I am. You wanted to be a Williams. I was a yeah. Do you mind scooting up towards the mic a little bit more? Sorry, I don't mean to make you feel uncomfortable or anything, but... And now I'm a Martin. Yeah. Get into that later, you know. Okay. So I so, got it all straightened out now. So you didn't want to be a brosig, and you told your mom, I don't want to do this brosig thing anymore. No. Well, how did she take that? What was what was her response? <clears throat> I think right at first she argued with me about it, but she knew I was determined, and I told her, I am not. Yeah. And we we're getting ready to go to Henley High. Okay. And this is in Roseburg? No, this is, we've moved to Klamath Falls now. We, okay. lived, we lived in Merrill. My um, first year in the eighth grade was in Merrill. Okay. Merrill, Oregon. Gotcha. That's when I got picked on really bad. And I allowed it to happen. So what was the type of thing that you were, like, what was the type of uh, bullying or picked oh, on stuff? There's, there's what was, what was going on? Because what, what year was this exactly? Bruce Buck and Rodriguez. I'll tell you the name. <laughs> Know them to this day, never forget them, and they never want to step in front of me now because. Are, are they still around? They still alive? I don't know. You don't know? Don't care? I don't know. Don't know? Don't care? Oh, I'd probably forgive them. I know, but uh, we just got off on the wrong foot. I remember I I, I decided I was going to fight him when I first ran into him. It was in the summertime, and there was some big fair going, and I we had this dog named Rip. Um, Rip. Rip called him a pointer retriever, mm-hmm. and my little brother was with me. Uh, Rick and these three bullies and I found out later they're going to be in the same class but they just showed up and says you're new in town or something and they Rodriguez especially started pushing my button and I I told my little brother I said uh, you take the smallest guy that was Buck and I'll handle the other two so what year was this exactly do you remember or time frame my first year in the in the eighth grade, uh, I'd have to get my book out or something. I'd be out around 1957. Okay, Let so... Let me see. Wait a minute. I went in the Navy my 1959. I was 16, turned 17. So your 1942 isn't when you were born, right? Yeah, December. Okay. So... Um, so in eighth grade, you were roughly 12 years old, 13 12, years 13, old? yeah. Okay, so maybe 1955? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, Mid fifties. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, Mid fifties. Okay. So and then, and so, of course, I was kind of spooked, but I was ready to. I was ready to take it down. So you tell Rick to go get the smallest one. Get the smallest one. That was Buck. Yeah. Yeah. But Rick was in the first grade, crying out. <laughs> yeah. Wait. So Rick was in the first grade at that time. Yeah. yeah and you're I'm telling him to go fight. Yeah, I'm telling him. He's six gets, years old. Yeah, I tell him he gets a take on. <laughs> He gets a take on it, but he was a smaller one of the three. <laughs> and uh, you'd have to ask Rick. He remembers it quite well. Uh, yeah. So, it was, it, it happened him. something like that. <laughs> anyway, and then I don't know, and I was worried I had the dog on a leash, and I was worried about this and that, and they backed off. Okay. But so you, my, you used your dog as kind of a, a threatening type of thing? I don't or? think. I, the dog wouldn't have ever done anything. He was a... 
I called him my pointer retriever, and I named him Rip. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, <clears throat> when we started school, though, it was different. It turns out that those three bullies that I buffaloed that day mm -hmm. ends up in my classroom. Ooh, okay. So these guys that you had an yeah. altercation with are now yeah. sitting next to you on the desks yeah. and stuff. Okay. Yeah, and they started in on me. Mm. And I was new in the area. I didn't. Now, you have to understand that all of my class, I was a different person when I was in the classroom. Mm -hmm. Because the blackboard was a foreign language. The moment chalk hit slate, you were, you were out of it. I didn't understand it. Gotcha. And uh, so I had a very low self-esteem. Okay. And uh, a stupid. Uh, and so now I'm not in a very good environment. I'm in an environment I'm afraid of, and they took advantage of it, and they started bullying me, and I let them. And that whole year they bullied me. And then I had a stepdad that I wasn't getting along with mm. on top of it. Okay. Dangerous. Yeah. My stepdad, I remember following following his footprints in the snow. I've got a loaded gun in my hand, and I'm spitting in his footprints. So, w w hold on. <laughs> That's kind of a crazy situation to be in. So, how old were you when you were doing that? That was in the eighth grade. That was that so, you're year in the eighth grade. 12, 13 years old, and you had a loaded gun. You were following and spitting in his footprints in the snow to go track him down and shoot him? I had a single shot twenty two. Mom would give me, I'd come home from school, mom would give me, I think it was two or three bullets. Yeah. And I'd go up and I'd shoot a rabbit, cottontail, because we'd eat it. So that we were, was... We were poor. We were poor that year. I'd shoot yeah. a pheasant, a grouse, sage grouse, or a, a quail. If I shot a quail, I'd be careful because I only had three shots in it. But the quail didn't have enough meat on it to waste a shot. I'd like to get a pheasant or a grouse. Jackrabbits, but they didn't taste good, and uh, I didn't dare shoot a porcupine because mom would make me eat it. <laughs> so that idea of, like, if you shoot it, you have to eat it was oh, definitely... Yeah, 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 yeah. And mom yep. didn't, didn't want me to waste a shot, but uh, I didn't like Jack. I was jealous because mom, and nothing against my mother. My mother was in a tough situation. I can understand that. Sure. I fully forgive her for, you know... And if things hadn't happened like they were, you wouldn't be here today. Well, there you go. You know, so. So you're tracking down your stepdad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They had, he had been, him and mom had been in a, had gotten into a fight. And he made a big mistake of hitting my mom in front of me. Ooh, okay. And so I was after blood. Yeah. And so I'm spitting in his footprints. Yeah. Yeah following him so was this just like on one occasion or was this multiple occasions just that one occasion that i remember okay that I recall yeah and yet i used to go hunting with him and then towards the end of that year he knew that i was being picked on and he's the one that took me down to the ymca and uh taught me how to do two left jabs and a right cross with a bully so there was the good side of him there's a bad side but when he was drunk when he was drinking that was his bad side mm. kind of came out when he was on the sauce when he was on the sauce, it came out, yeah. Yeah, okay. So how long were was he and your mom together? He died October 1962. Okay. I was in uh, Japan. So you're 20 years old? I was, yeah. You're already in the Navy and, and all that? Okay. So he, he 
I'm not 20 away. years old. I think I'm 19 then. I came back. Okay, yeah. That I came back sense. from Japan towards the end of October. Cuban Missile Crisis were going, mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't know whether I was, the, because I was uh, the oldest son, mm -hmm. stepdad died, and they were going to transfer me. I'd already been over in Japan for the last couple of years, and so they were, they transferred me to a salt craft unit, one out of Coronado. Mm-hmm. Gave me orders, and I took a match flight and ended back and came back home, and Jack was dead, and I didn't, share a didn't shed a tear. Not a single one for not your stepdad? Not a single tear was shed, which sometimes I feel guilty about. Yeah? Because my siblings, uh, Rick and Linda, accepted mm -hmm. him as their dad, but then they were young enough where they didn't. They didn't know the difference, or at least the... You the, see, my, my the biological father tried, was starting to put things straight with me. And I thought, boy, I got a dad back. You know, he's taking me fishing. So by putting I'm things... Being, I'm not being whipped anymore. And by then, putting you know, things straight, you mean as he was he was trying to rectify oh, his yeah, previous yeah, behavior? Yeah. Okay, see, he, gotcha. He whipped me, but he loved me. Gotcha, gotcha. I knew he okay. loved me. Gotcha. So he's trying to put things right. And I knew he was. And then... He's out of my life. And then I get, oh, my gosh, talk about frying pan into the fire. Mm, gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. beat with a razor strap to the, uh, the just come out, they had just come out with the fiberglass fishing poles, and the upper end of a takedown fishing pole was used on me instead. Oh, okay. Yeah. So So he was getting creative. <laughs> no, that, no, that wasn't my dad that did that. That was my stepdad. Oh, your stepdad, gotcha. So your stepdad was getting creative with... with well, my the, stepdad, as far as I'm concerned, that was the way he... Maybe that was the way he was whipped. I don't know. Yeah. Wow. So that brings us up to probably late 50s, early 60s? Oh, no. Uh, because I didn't get along. We got we to gotta go back here. Okay. Okay, let's, let's just put this out. Um. We're living in Klamath Falls. I'm uh, had flunked the eighth grade twice. Uh, got pushed up into the ninth grade. Uh, cheated on some scores so I could keep on the stay on the wrestling team. Uh, almost went to state my freshman year. Yeah, what weight class were you wrestling at? I was wrestling at about a hundred. I think it was one hundred and forty-eight pounds at that time. Okay, all right, and. Um, so whatever weight class that would have been. Sure. And I remember I went to district. Okay. Fought a guy by the name of Knight. <laughs> and I was uh, headed for state, and then they said, you can't go to state because your grades aren't up and this and that. And so that was my freshman. That was my freshman year. Freshman year. Almost made it to state in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I had to cheat, and they found out I was cheating. They found out I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do this. As so you're guy, barred, barred from the guy, state meet. Yeah, there was a guy by the name of Stevens that was uh, helping me cheat. <laughs> so what would him. you what would you do to try and cheat on tests? Was it just oh, kind of I like a, a little shove of hey, notes between desks hey, and grandson, stuff? Grandson, you are you are interviewing the master of somebody that knows how to cheat. <laughs> I, I uh, cheat on COVID. <laughs> I am the biggest cheat there is. <laughs> I've got it so, down to a science. You okay, so tell, I, I wanna, made my own COVID mask and everything. Uh, I want to know. I want to know your <laughs> tactics. Let me know your your uh, your. <laughs> let's dive deep into your cheating tactics. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, what would you do to try and cheat on tests and assignments in class? 
Well, in classes, a lot of it is depending. I didn't cheat too much on class. He, he ended up doing certain things for me, showing how me, I can get my homework done. The tests I couldn't pass. Okay. Um, this is the guy by, by the name of Stevens, you said? This, his, his last name was Stevens. So gotcha. I don't know okay. Now. I, if I had my... Uh, my uh, like your yearbook? Yeah, if I had, okay. had my yearbook, I could show you a picture of him. So... You or oh, you want me to tell you how to cheat? Well, yeah, yeah. Let's okay. See. I want to know what cheating on tests was like in the 1960s. Well, I didn't really cheat on tests in the 1960s, and so when I, I uh, or 50s rather. Sorry. Okay, so let's let's get up to this. Let's continue to follow the story. Okay. So, <clears throat> my second uh, while I'm just starting the sophomore year. Okay. So we're 19, and, I'm, and nothing's going anywhere. Yeah. I go into a sophomore class, and here's everybody that I had when I was a freshman. I'm still, and here's everybody that was in the eighth grade that suddenly become ninth graders, and I'm in their class. Yeah. And the people that I should have been going up a year with. Are already in juniors in high school. Yeah, juniors, sophomores in high school, but I'm, I'm classified a sophomore, but I'm still in freshman studies. Gotcha. Okay. And the English teacher's up there, and he's on the blackboard, and he's sitting there saying, this is a colon, dot, dot, and this is a semicolon. And I'm looking at this, and I said, this is not making any sense at all. <laughs> My grandma stuffs me with all of these vegetables, and she says, this is a keep your colon clean. <laughs> so you're drawing the similarities I'm between your to... anatomy and grammar? <laughs> I'm trying to put this together. I mean, this is, I'm telling you, a chalkboard was a foreign foreign language. And I'm trying to, I'm saying, who would, so I realized that that wasn't your colon, but who would want to name those two dots a colon? I said, what kind of idiot is that? So you know how I remembered it was a colon? So the colon has the two dots, right? And Yeah, I didn't really realize which one, the, the two and the swivel, I called it. Yeah, anyway. the, the swivel, yeah, the, the semicolon. But I always yeah. remember the colon as the two dots because the word colon is C-O-L-O-N. Oh. That's, oh, that's yeah. the way that I've... I couldn't spell it if I had to. But anyway, <laughs> so then they said, and then this, and uh, then they said, and this is the semicolon, and then that, and I'm sitting there thinking, now my dad is a, semi -mecha is a mechanic on semi-trucks. Okay. Diesel trucks. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sitting there looking at this. I said, you idiots. You guys are all, am I the only smart guy in this class? And I can't even read properly. You're right. I could read at that time a little yeah. bit. I thought, you got you got this big old diesel rig pushing your crap down your colon. And, uh, <laughs> and calling it a semicolon. And, so I knew I, was gonna, I knew I had to walk out of school. Okay. Okay, so uh, mom and dad had a fight. Mom and Jack. Mom and Jack had a fight. Yeah. My sister calls me. I was hanging out with my friends. And I come over to the house, and I walk into the house, and Jack tells me to get some firewood, and he was drunk. He was in front of the fireplace. And I looked at him, and I looked over, and I could see that my little sister's side, left side of her face was just all red, where he had hit her. Mm. And mom had her, my mom had his, her arm around him, and I thought, okay. USOB. This isn't going to happen again. So I went out and I got a block of wood, about like that. What is it about? About four inch circumference. Mm -hmm. uh, about a foot and a half long. So uh, basically the size of your forearm. Yeah. And I walk in and I was, saw him there. 
from the fireplace, and I was going to hit him right, right on the right on the back of the head. No, right, no, no more deadly than that. Mm. Right at the chiari, right at the base of the base brain, of the skull, base of the brainstem. Gotcha. And I was going to hit him with everything I had. Mm-hmm. And mom looked at me and just shook her head. And I looked, so then I went back out and I got a load of firewood and I come in and I dumped it. Next morning, he was hung over and he was in bed and I told him that if he ever hit my mother again. I was boxing at that time. Because he was taking you to the YMCA to you do think, yeah, left hook, was, right hook. This was the good side of him. Yeah. yeah, he introduced me to boxing. There's this new thing coming up called Golden Gloves. Yeah, YMCA was sponsoring a lot of all this and everything, and so I was boxing through the YMCA, and I just got through with a mat a match up in uh, Chiloquin on the on the Klamath Indian Reservation, and I mm-hmm. think I was and I was the year before something anyway. I think I was 16 at that time when I was up there. Was I 15 and I? And I was fighting this guy that was the judo instructor for the Air Force Base here out of Klamath Falls. Scared to death of him. And you were fighting this guy? Boxing him, yeah. And you're 16, and how old is he? He was 22. (laughs) So he's he's six years your senior. Yeah, and he's the uh, judo martial arts instructor for the Air Air Force Base. And you're going toe-to-toe with him in the ring? Yeah, we were the main fight. We were the main fight. (laughs) You were the main fight on the card? Yeah, the main fight on the card. Oh, my God. I was undefeated at that time, so I'm the main fight. Okay, so hold on. I don't mean to interrupt, but how many fights did you have under your belt up until you fought this guy? Because you said you're undefeated. So how many fights? I think I had five. So you're five and zero. Oh. They're calling smokers. Yeah, I'm five and zero. Oh. Five and zero. Oh. Okay. Yeah, most of them by draws. Uh, so you would. Okay. So I'm. I have so many questions. <laughs> so you, you were fighting. You were five and zero, oh, and you were. I'm assuming. I'm a four and zero, oh, five and zero. Oh, I forget what it was. It sure. Was like that. Sure. But this was the first big, big bat. This is the first big fight. You know, okay. the other smokers were just in the local area. This is the big one. I mean, okay. it was on the Klamath Indian Reservation, and we were okay. there. Uh, matches were coming in from all over, and they decided to put me up, same weight class and everything else, against this guy. And he was 21, 22. All I know is he was a martial arts instructor for... For the Air Force Base. For okay. the Air Force Base. Gotcha. He was their instructor. Well, they had all this fancy equipment. We're running around in bathrobes. <laughs> <laughs> YMCA, hand-me-downs. <laughs> I'm scared to death this guy. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, he's... He's an adult. Everybody else was my own age, you know, before. Yeah, because you'd had, like, those... 16-year-old. Gotcha, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. You know? And uh, and I remember him sitting across, and he's rolling his gloves like this and staring at me. Well, there's one thing that I knew. I knew from, I think it was about my third bout, looking across those gloves at my opponent, I thought, you know, we got three three-minute rounds they're called these smokers. They, we call them smokers. So why did you call them smokers? Because they were just quick, you know. Oh, just quick, just, a flash in the pan. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. yeah. They're three, okay. three three-minute rounds. In okay. the Navy, we called them smokers. I don't know what we called them there in the YMCA, but when mm-hmm. I was in the Navy, I continued to box in what they called smokers. Okay. Okay, but I remember looking across, and I don't know which fight it was, but I think it was a fight before I fought this guy. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I didn't like it. I didn't like boxing, grandson. Why not? 
Because it's, oh, it cause, didn't make any sense. You're punching this guy in the head and trying to give him. I didn't know what the word concussion meant, but you're trying to knock his brains out of his head and knock him out. And I'm looking across the gloves, and I'm sitting there, and most of these people were guys I knew, you know. And I'm sitting there thinking, this isn't like wrestling. So when you said that you don't, under, you didn't really understand boxing, but also I didn't say, like boxing. or didn't like boxing, um, I understood it. Yeah, you undefeated. Un- you understood it, obviously but you didn't like it. And then you say also like the good part of your stepdad was that he taught you how to box. Oh yeah, he did. He taught me how to fight. Okay. All right. I'm just, I'm just making sure that I'm tracking in my own head. Gotcha. So you, you go toe to toe with this guy and he's, he's rolling his gloves at you and you're staring down. Now this is before the fight with the, Oh, okay. So before that fight. Okay. Yeah. It's about the fight before. And I remember looking across the gloves and I thought one of the smokers. Yeah. When when I'm sitting there thinking, your goal is in three, within three rounds, or three three minute rounds, is to knock me out. That's his goal. That's your goal. I knew what knockout meant. I didn't know what the word concussion meant. Yeah. And uh, so I'm looking across my gloves at him, and I thought, well, I'm just going to have to knock you out first. I don't want to get knocked out. It's <laughs> kind of the point of boxing, right? Yeah, it's the point is that I'm going to take you down. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to lose. So, uh, so I, I found out it was simple to do. I just put Jack's face on him. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I just put Jack's face there on him. There you go. <laughs> okay, I'm going to get you now, buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, anyway, I remember this. So now we're at this, sm- we're at this smoker, and we're in Chiloquin, Oregon, on the Klamath Indian Reservation. They were putting it on. It was, and it was big. It was a big deal. There a lot of people there. How many was, people would you say were there? Oh, the whole auditorium. It was full. Full. Oh, yeah. So I'm assuming close to maybe 1,200 people. Oh, I don't know. I don't think there's that many. You're in Chiloquin, Oregon. Oh, I've, never been, I've never been. I've never been. So it was on the reservation there. 500, give or give or take. I don't know. Maybe about 300. Okay. Big. All right. For, All right. That's a lot of people. Doing. It was a lot of people. Okay. Well, for me. Yeah. 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 It was a lot of people. Okay. And so it's my turn to get up there, and I'm, I'm scared to death because I'm watching this guy, and he's walking around, and he's giving me this eye, and he's staring me down. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, you look like those bullies I had back there in Merrill, you know. Mm-hmm. And so he was, I was getting psyched out. Gotcha. He was psyching me. Well, we get into the ring, and we sit down, and it didn't help. I look over at the spit bucket, and it's full of blood and mucus. People blowing their nose and blood. From, from the fights before you? From the fights before me. They didn't even empty it, you know. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, it's still from the last fight. <laughs> That's gross. You know, and I'm looking down at that, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, because yeah. I'd watch those fights. And, uh-huh. and we were behind. We were losing because we were fighting the air base. Uh, so kind of a team. Yeah, it was kind of a team. It was, okay. uh, it was the air base, and I think there might have been somebody else in there, and it was the YMCA, and, and uh, so had these fights, and it was going to be this big dinner afterwards. And Jack was there. Jack took me to it. So you put oh, – so hold on. That's, a kind of, that's an interesting dynamic. So you, your stepdad took you to the match. Oh, yeah. And then you started to project your ride's face onto oh, yeah, your yeah. opponent. Yeah, wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, in a sense, yeah. <laughs> not, not necessarily at that fight, though. But I'm okay. Going. So I get up to fight this guy, and I just pedal away from him. And kind of uh, running around the ring a little bit, yeah, but he couldn't hit me. I don't think he lit, lit a blow on me except some body punches. And uh, so I thought, okay, I'm okay, I can ride this thing out for three rounds. Yeah, but the point is, I wasn't throwing a punch, so he was currently winning then. So he was winning. I think it's your cell phone. Hang on, one minute. 
Hi, son. Okay. Okay. Bye bye. So we'll edit that out, by the way, so yeah, people don't. You, you can leave it there. Anyway, <laughs> so so okay. I'm just pedaling away from this guy. Yeah. And I'm thinking I can just. I well, I'm not going to get hurt. This guy can't. This guy can't hit me. I'm just you know pedaling away from him. Yeah. So uh, we're starting the second. This is the first round. We start the second round. He's doing some body punches. He's currently yeah, ahead he's, of you. He's, he's okay. hitting me in the arms because I'm able to block the punches. And, yeah. and if I get tired of him hitting me in the arms and maybe a few times in the ribs, and I just pedal away from him. Okay. Chasing me around the ring. Coach gets mad at me. Your, your in-ring coach is... My in-ring coach. Okay. He was mad at me. You know, when he was back there before we even started the first round, he's going like this. I was shaking so hard, he had to hold me in my chair. That's how... Because you were you were wigged out, you were oh, psyched yeah. out. Okay, I was, I, this guy's scaring the hell out of me. Yeah, yeah, literally. And so <clears throat> he says, "This guy teaches judo. He doesn't know how to punch. He's used to breaking bricks with the side of his hand, and he's used to takedowns and, got, and, yeah. and all the stuff got, that's illegal in well, boxing." He's telling me, he says. He's used to hitting things with the side of his hand and breaking wood and all this stuff, and he's got gloves on. Take this bum out. Yeah. Remember he used those words. He says, take, take this, this bum, bum out. out. All right. I didn't, tra- I didn't train you to sit there and put on a dance show. <laughs> yeah. Remember him telling me that. <laughs> so we start the second round, and I go out there, and I just kind of pedal around, and I'm sitting there thinking, and the coach is getting mad, and he's hollering at me from the, yeah. from the sideline. And so I throw out a left jab. Whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, and you land it. Oh, yeah, I can hit this guy. Okay. But I still wasn't totally unsyched. Yeah, no. Into the second round, he says, you lost that round. We only hit this guy twice, and he hit you at least 50 times or something like that. So the score is definitely in his favor. Yeah, he's already won two rounds. The only way I can win this fight is to knock him out or get a TKO. Mm -hmm. So we go out to the third round, he says, you got to knock him out. So I look across there, and I say, okay, let's get into this. Let's get into it. I knocked him out. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, I knocked him how, out. How far into the third round did you knock him out? I don't know. There's a picture of it. I didn't even go back to my corner because I'd never knocked somebody out before. Where is the, that? The I want to know that. I want to see that picture. Oh, I have that picture. And we don't have to get it right me, now. You, show me, uh, you see me sitting in the middle of the ring like this looking, looking over at him. I didn't go back to my corner. And he's out like a light, and he's got the people over on in his corner out there on the floor. Uh-huh. The guy's out cold. Yeah. I cold cocked him. And I yeah. remember when I did. Because he kept, he kept faking down and dropping his left and just giving me the whole side of his face for an overhand right. Yeah. And I thought, you do that again, I'm going to take advantage of it. Yeah. And he did it again. And uh, I come down with an overhand right, and I hit him, and he just dropped. Yeah. Like a sack of potatoes. Yeah. And he didn't get up. And then okay. I was, oh, man. Did I hurt him? <laughs> so you're concerned about the guy that you just knocked yeah, out? Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was after that. Do you want a microphone, Dave? I can set one up for you. You want to join, you want me to join me right now? Sure, yeah. Do you want to? Sure. 
All right, go ahead and keep going with the story, Grandpa. I'm going to set David up with the microphone. Is that cool? Yeah, but is it still being recorded? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, I don't care. This is this is gold. I'm I'm, I'm beaming from ear to ear. I don't know what's gold about it. Okay. So, so anyway, after after that incident, uh, that's when we had the incident to where I was going to take the piece of firewood against my my dad's uh, base of his uh, brainstem, and mom stopped me. And the next morning, I told my uh, stepdad, I said, uh, if you ever hit my mom again or any of my siblings, if I can't whip you with my fist, I'm going to take a baseball bat to you. That's what he said? Or that's what you said, sorry? That's what I said to him. I said, this is not going to happen again. Okay. And I looked at mom, and mom was standing there. He was on in his bed. He was hung over. And I said, mom, I'm dead serious. I'm, I'm not going to allow him to do this to you. Well, so you were defending your mother in that instance. Oh yeah, a very defect. I was I am a very protective person of people that I'm close to. So, we had Thanksgiving. I think this was maybe after Thanksgiving, but anyway, it was just right after Thanksgiving, mom comes to me and says, "Son, how would you like to go to Japan?" I said, Japan? He says, yeah, how would you like to visit Japan? Now, I'm 16 years old, grandson. Okay. I'm 16 years old at this time. And she was asking you to go to Japan just because... She was asking me if I wanted to go to Japan. She wasn't saying anything about military. She said, would you like to go to Japan? Yeah. I says, yeah, I guess, yeah. I'm sitting there thinking, why don't you just send me to Grandma and Grandpa's instead? You know? You know, we're getting ahead of ourselves. I wanted to tell you all about my grandpa when I was a little boy. Right. He got me clear up here to let's 16 years old. But anyway, yeah, let me let's just get into that. Any, let, let me just get you in. Get, let's put me in boot camp, and then we'll back up here. Okay. So, so mom, mom says you want to go to Japan. I says, well, okay, I'll go to Japan. And uh, I, I thought she was joking. And she says, son. Uh, this was December 18th, 1959. She says, come with me. I said, where are we going? She says, I'm taking you to the Navy recruiter. I said, what? She says, I'm taking you to the Navy recruiter right now. Do you mind if I test Dave's mic really quick? Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead and say a few things. Hey, what's up, Dave? Hey, what's up? All right, cool. You We're good. You got me okay? Okay. Yeah. I can't hear anything. Oh, okay. Hold on one second. Oh, now I got you. Okay, oh, you yeah. good? Bright, loud and clear. Loud and clear? Yeah. Perfect. All right, we're good. Welcome. <laughs> okay, so you're going to Japan. I like this hat. It's a nice hat. Thank you. Afghan yeah. war. There we go. Yeah. Sweet. Okay, anyway. so you're going to Japan. So so I'm 16 years old. It's the day before my birthday. Okay. She takes me down to the Navy recruiter courthouse. I walk in. She's there to sign me over. Well, I have to take the exam. So well, you can take it now because you'll be 17 by the time you get And in. 17 was the legal recruiting age at that time? For kitty cruisers. Kitty cruisers? Yeah. That's what they called it? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. kitty cruisers. All right. Yeah, they call, them, they call us kitty cruisers. We go in on our 17th birthday and we get it out on our 21st birthday. And what year was this exactly? This was December 18th. 1959. 1959, okay. My last day of being 16. Okay. I take the exam and I flunk. I, I can't read it. 
Yeah. How can I answer the questions? I'm just guessing that you got, yet one. I got a good chance here. I'm one out of four. Maybe I'll get lucky. You know, twenty five percent chance. <laughs> well, some of them had five or none of the above. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I could read that, and I just check that. Or <laughs> I don't know. Just immediately, like I don't know. I don't know why. Okay. So you, you know, take the exam. Flunk it. Flunk it. To get into the Navy. Yeah. They give me this book. They said, study this book. All the answers are in the book. I can't read the book. Take the exam again. Flunk it. Yeah. It's two weeks later. So now we're into, now we're into 1960, January. January 1960. Flunk it again. The next day, Mom has me on a Greyhound bus to Pernonia, Oregon. And I get turned over to my grandpa. Okay. Her mom, her, oh no, her dad. Her stepdad. Her stepdad. Okay, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. But my, not my biological, but the best man that ever entered my life, mm-hmm. my grandpa. Yeah. Well, came over. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, I think I immediately took it and I flunked it and he looked at it and he says, this isn't going to happen again. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I didn't. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Grandpa got a hold of me, <laughs> and uh, next thing I know, I'm in I'm in boot camp. So I don't mean to interrupt, but Dave, did you have to take some sort of entrance exam for the Navy as well? I did, I did. Yeah, okay. And uh, <clears throat> I'll, I'll let Dad finish his story, and then we'll get into mine. Mine's a little, little okay. bit different. Well, we're about forty seven minutes in, just so you're aware, Grandpa. Okay, that's fine. Okay, we're probably gonna have to start right. another. So, so I get into the Navy. And uh, I immediately decide that I'm going to have to cheat to get through this. So Did you have to call up your old friend? No, no. <laughs> to but, help you cheat? No, but the, the <laughs> Navy was, you know, the Navy was smart. They, they had that. Uh, you know, when I got out, when I went into the Navy, it was the best thing that happened to me. My mom did right. Okay. I, um, I remember getting off that bus, and he was a Bolton. He had crossed anchors on his. Crossed anchor tattoo. No, no, crossed anchors on his chief sleeve. Oh, okay. You know, so I found out later that many was a boatswain. Okay. Which was probably the worst thing you could have in front of you for boot camp, and David could tell you that. Yep. Yeah. yep. <laughs> well, we'll definitely get into that when, when we, when we says, chat, for sure. Because I'm only going to tell you this once, and I'm not going to tell you a second time, that I'm going, whoa. Anyway. Okay. So, so that, was, that was it. How do you cheat? If you're going to cheat in a classroom, you walk into the classroom, and if you have the choice of where to position yourself, you always position yourself to the and have a left-handed person, left-handed person on your left side up there because he's going to write like this, and you could got a view of what he's doing. You want a left-handed person on to your side. left. That you way can that. you can see what he's writing. That's right. As Okay, so you can glance to your left and yeah. see his full now, page. right-hand person. The arm is in the way. It. No, would be if he was on your left. Gotcha. So if a right-hand right person, person is on your left. Right-hand person, you got a full view. And then the person in front of you, you got over the side. And you just got to time it to when the teacher <laughs> isn't looking at you. And boom, I mean, you're going to ace that exam. <laughs> you got it. That's so great. Yeah. Okay. That's how you cheat. That's how you do it. Yeah. All right. So anyway, uh, before we got into this, going back to my childhood. Okay. My grandpa 
was my savior. Yeah. Your mother's stepfather. Stepfather. Okay. He was not my biological grandfather. My bi- biological grandfather had died before I was born. Okay. Uh, Grandma remarried. Okay. And she remarried uh, this man, and he was uh, he was born in 1890. Okay. And when he was 18 years old, he went to work for the Wells Fargo. Okay. Uh, guarding payroll, payrolls. So he carried a gun. Okay. And uh, and he basically was was my mentor. He was he was mm-hmm. there for me. He knew how to handle me. Uh, the best example I can give of my grandpa before we finish this segment is I could we we lived uh, we, we lived on the we lived in Vernonia alongside the Nahalem River. Okay. And I'm I don't know how big I was, but I he gave me a bamboo fishing pole, but I couldn't go fishing by myself on the river because grandma was worried that I didn't know how to swim. We had these boys called the Welsh boys lived across the street. And the Welsh and boys? They call them the Welsh boys. They're from uh, Welch or Welsh? Well I don't know. <laughs> Welsh. I pronounced it Welch. You got to understand, I had a speech impediment. Okay, I pronounced right. it Welch. I just wanted to make Welsh sure. Boys. In the event that they start listening to this podcast, and they're like, "I remember that bamboo fishing rod," and they were from, uh, <laughs> they're from Nebraska. Okay, and uh, folks across the street. Yeah, and they they had moved there from Nebraska. Okay, and I forget where in Nebraska. I used to know the name. Anyway, I used to go swimming with them at the pool, which was a diversion of the in the Halem River there in, in Vernonia, and I could swim across pools. So I said, Grandpa, I, could, I can swim across this pool. I got this. I can swim across the pool. You can trust me to be down at the river. And I remember we were walking towards this swimming hole or this hole, you know, that you could fish in. And this little eddy in the river. Yeah, in the river, in the Halem River there in Vernonia. It's about four miles out of Vernonia. Okay. And uh, going north. And so, next thing I know, I can feel myself being lifted up. And Grandpa's got me by the cuff of the of my coat here, and by the seat of the pants, like this. Right hand was here, and left hand here. Yeah. And I'm up off the ground, and he's running, and he throws me into the river. He just hucks you into the oh, river. Oh, hucks me right into the river. <laughs> Swimming lesson. There you go. Yeah. And I'm under the water, and I, I got my shoes on, my, and it was kind of a, it was in the spring, kind of, but it was one of those rainy days, and I had, I think there was a little drizzle of rain, and I had a coat on. So he, full, he, threw, he threw you into the river fully clothed. Fully clothed. Shoes, everything, the whole work. Threw me right into the river. <laughs> and then I come grabbing to the surface, and anything that I had learned in swimming lessons that my out mom the window. had given were out the window. Out it the window. claw your way towards the uh, bank. And I could see Grandpa up there, and he says, and he's yelling at me, you can do this, you can do this, I know you can do this, and I'm a con, I'm everything, I'm, oh my gosh. And anybody that knows what it's like to swim fully clothed realizes that it's a lot harder than you think it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I come out. Grandpa gets me. He says, okay, you did a good job. Take me home. And he got boy walking in the house. And he says, Mama, don't I need to worry about him. He can, he can swim. Of course, I'm sopping wet. Grandma says, what did you do? Well, he can swim. Don't worry about it. So I tattle on Grandpa. I says, he threw me in the river, Grandma. <laughs> Grandpa threw me in the river. 
<laughs> of course, Grandma stripped me down, threw me in the tub, hydrate, got me nice and hydrated and warmed up. <laughs> got my core warmed up so I wouldn't catch pneumonia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it was so much for any modesty at that point. I mean, she could have cared less. You're into this hot tub. Yeah. Um, the next thing that I remember in lessons from my grandpa, and I used it when I went into the Secret Service, and I think I was 12 years old at the time. Okay. And I told him I wanted to learn how to shoot a pistol. Okay. Now, I had a twenty two. I knew how to shoot a twenty two, BB gun, and I had bow and arrow and all this. I says, Grandpa, I want to shoot a pistol. Okay. He says, okay, son. And um, he takes me out and puts up the target, and I put this pistol in my hand, and it was his pistol that he was using. You know, he was a payroll guard for, the, for Wells Fargo. So it, it was his service pistol. It was his service pistol that he carried when he was a uh, mail guard. They gotcha. later called it the mail guard for... For Wells Fargo. Okay. Wells Fargo, which later become, you know, part of Western... Um, Western Union, that well, kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and it was... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I forget which ra- railroad he was... Which rail... Okay. He was working for the railroad. Okay. But it was the uh, Wells Fargo that was shipping their payrolls on the railroad at that time. Gotcha. And he went to work for him when he was 18 years old. Your stepfather? My grandpa. Step-grandpa. Or step-grandpa. That's okay. Yeah. I just and want to make sure I have He stayed it. with him until he retired. And that's why he didn't fight in the First World War, because... He was uh, guarding uh, stuff back home. Yeah. Okay. Because he was essential for the job he had. Anyway, so I get out there, and I'm kind of spooked about this gun, and I'm going like this, and he says, you're pushing a bullet out of the barrel. <clears throat> no. <laughs> Christopher. <laughs> I'm 12 years old, okay? <laughs> okay. Grandpa says, listen, this is how you're going to have to shoot your gun. He says, hold it in your hand gently. <clears throat> and, and pretend like you're squeezing the breast of a pretty girl. <laughs> <laughs> so this is how he's describing the proper technique for shooting. Yes. And he said, you want to caress a boob. Yeah, you want to just you want to just <laughs> like you're gently, like you're squeeze, squeeze gently squeezing a breast. Yeah, a breast of this. I'm All right. Thinking, I haven't even seen one yet, much less squeeze one. <laughs> he used the same trick on me when he was teaching me. He taught you the same way. Yeah. To yeah. you, he says, squeeze it like your girlfriend's tip. Okay, so how old were you when when, oh, when Grandpa? Was 14. I was fourteen. Okay, have you, did you, by that time, had you touched no, a breast? No. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. <laughs> so you're so you're completely, like, totally don't even understand what right. he's talking about. Yep. He's yep. just relaying the information that was taught. <laughs> so, That's so great. So I'm in the Secret Service Academy, and we're on the firing range, and uh, the, the range master was God, as far as you were concerned there in the Secret Service. Of course. Oh, yeah, he was, he was somebody you didn't mess with. And so we're out there, and they're teaching us how to shoot. And uh, I could show you a certificate now that I'm a, I'm an expert with a pistol. I come out of the Secret Service as an expert with a pistol. And it was all because of my grandpa. Just, there you go. Only I was just pretending like I had Stella's boob in my hand, and I was <laughs> very gentle with it. <laughs> At that time, I was married man, and I knew, knew exactly where that breast belonged and how to squeeze it. You knew exactly what to do. <laughs> oh, that's so great. That's okay. so great. So you go, and you, he teaches you how to shoot. Yeah, he taught me a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. And he knew how to give me tough love. There you go. And I transferred some of that. 
Mm-hmm. You got my oldest son sitting here. Uh, <laughs> when I I didn't see him for fourteen years. I don't know if we you want to move into this. Part let, let, or, let's stay on you. Okay. Let's stay on you. Okay. Dave Dave's gonna have his own his own thing. So okay. um, I'm I'm just appre- I'm just appreciating the fact that you're just like wanting to sit in and everything too. That makes it a little bit more cool. Yeah, a little bit more intimate. I'm a little bit more normal. Perfect. Awesome. So, so you go through. Um, so at least people know I'm not making up the breast thing with my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it, did you? Okay. So before we go any further, did you want to put a percentage on this? No, this is a hundred percent. This is a hundred percent. Yeah, this okay. isn't a sixty forty. So, so we're a hundred percent so far. So if I'm going to go sixty forty, I'll tell you in advance. Okay. All right. So for some context, because we have listeners that are listening to this podcast from Romania and the Czech Republic and Germany yeah. and that kind of stuff, as well as people who are not affiliated with any sort of lifestyle in regarding yeah. to the concept of this podcast. And so to give everyone some context, your, uh, how would you describe it? The percentage part. Percentage part of what? Of, of, of just telling and divulging information. So there's always usually a caveat of like, this is a 60, 40, this is a 75, uh, 25. 40 is what I made up with Bigfoot stories with my grandchildren. Okay. There you go. You know so, what a 60, 40 is. I gave them to you, you know? No, yeah. This is I, I remember. Yeah. This is a hundred percent. This is, this is giving context to those who don't understand or don't have any sort of context to the situation. So this is a hundred percent so what far actually happened, yeah. but other stories regarding Bigfoot and what else might be a 60, 40, <laughs> yeah, yeah. a little bit of a shine. Oh, I'm going to tell you something. Bigfoot stories would be really boring if you didn't put 40% of bullshit in it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Gotcha. So, so far up until you getting into the secrets or into the Navy and your grandfather, uh, telling you how to shoot and everything else so far everything up to this point has been 100 percent awesome yeah sweet okay so he teaches you how to shoot yeah where do we go from there my grandpa was my uh, if it wasn't for my grandpa i'd never made it in life because I lost my dad when my dad started taking interest. Of course, it wasn't my mom's fault. My mom was trying to get out of it. And my dad deserved what he got. Yeah. He wasn't being a very good dad. Gotcha. He wasn't being a very good husband. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom later made a statement to me that one of the biggest mistakes she ever made was was leaving my dad because she realized it too. But it's just the way things happen. You know, people get divorced and wish they never had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Later yeah. on in life. As life happens. As, yeah, life happens. And uh, and I have no bad feelings or anything else, and not especially against my mom. But when it come up, I had this. I had a speech impediment, mm-hmm. and it really held me back and held me back. And I acquired. I acquired a uh, very low self esteem of myself, mm-hmm. and I believed that I was stupid. First grade teacher, if you look at my report card, my first year in the first grade, said uh, Rodney has missed a lot of school. I had pneumonia that year. Mm-hmm. Has missed a lot of school, and uh, basically he's retarded. Okay. Now, what she was saying was he's retarded in the sense that he's lost so much school he isn't up to staff. Yeah. And it's retarded him. Mm-hmm. My parents took it that I was retarded. Gotcha. Because I had a speech impediment. That was really bad. And you were struggling in school. And I was struggling in school. I couldn't read a simple Dick and Jane book or anything like that. Sure. And that followed me. 
oh, it followed me. The, you know, the, like, the like, perception of the the retardation and everything yeah. else. Okay. So I bought in on it. I, and, call and, it, I called it my first grade life agreement. Okay. Well, my first grade life agreement. Okay. The agreement was that you're, uh, you're stupid. Okay. You know? All right. You're a moron. I was so so that followed you up until what point? Actually, it followed me right up until I joined the Mormon church. Okay. And we'll get to that point for sure. Yeah. But, yeah. Let's, but it let's... followed me. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was, you know, Blisk, how do you, in uh, Idle Abner, the guy that runs around with the dark cloud over his head and it's yeah. always raining on him? Mm-hmm. I associated myself with him. Yeah. Kind of this just kind of ho-hum. Oh, it was, nothing. My lot in life is already set for hard. me. It was like sixth grade. Couldn't get through the eighth grade. Okay. I go in the Navy. I can't get out of the Navy. They have to, at the end, and it was because of Vietnam, towards the end, I couldn't pass the exam. I called my grandpa. I said, Grandpa, I'm not going to make it through boot camp. I can't pass the exam. And he says, and they've given me two years to do all this studying. I mean, two weeks. So I'm held over in boot camp for two more weeks okay, because I can't pass the exam to get out. And I'm the only person in the whole class, boot camp class that I was in that couldn't, couldn't pass it. Okay. I, I would ace everything physically, but I could not pass anything written. Everything else about boot camp was set in stone for you. You were able to pass it, flying colors, all that on stuff. On physical. On physical stuff. But when it came to the book work, that's where you no. fell short. Yeah, okay. I could identify the pictures of the different ships and everything else, you know, mm-hmm. boom, 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 boom. Matter of fact, they thought I'd make a great radioman. Yeah. Because I was able to memorize Morse code, and they could get the da-da-da-da-da-da, and I could get, write it all right down. Yeah. And transfer it over to where the A is this, the B is this. So you were able to transfer or uh, translate Morse code easy peasy. Yeah, but then I couldn't read it. Wow, that's a really interesting thing about language comprehension. Read, I could not read what I translated. But you knew that these sequence of beeps what meant this letter. Yeah. Now, back in 1960, everybody was mandatory. Everybody learned the Morse code. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. David, when he gets in, I have to tell you whether they do it now or not. Sure. I think it's only officers. I'm not sure. Anyway, but then everybody had to learn the Morse code. Oh, I took right to it. So they're going to say, you're going to make a good radio man. Man, you can knock this thing out. Faster than anybody else in your class. Yeah. Try to read it. <laughs> and that wasn't something you were able to do. <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I couldn't even put a period on it. <laughs> so, I, okay. so, so my grandpa, I called my grandpa. I says, I'm not going to make it through boot camp. I get two weeks. And I says, I can't make sense out of any of this stuff they're telling me to read. Okay. And he says, you go in there and you tell them the truth. Tell them you can't read. Or if you can read, it's just not enough to be able to do this. So I did. Yeah. So this Lieutenant J.G., Lieutenant Junior Grade, uh, I tell him that only my only my sister can read my writing. So he has me he has me write down. He says something to me. He says he gives me a simple sentence. Yeah. He says now write down what I just said, and it's simple like I am a sailor. Or I am a soldier or something. So okay. I couldn't even pronounce soldier. And to this day, I have a hard time. And so I wrote it down. And then I wrote down the next one. He looked at it and he says, oh, I believe you. I believe that only your, I'm surprised your sister can even read this. <laughs> so he says, he says, I'm going to, he says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He says, I'm going to have them. And we've done it for somebody else too. Also, also I wasn't the first one they did this to her. Okay. He says, uh, 
the boatswain here, or I don't know what, I think it was the boatswain, is going to read the exam. Okay. He's going to read the questions, and he's going to read the, because everything was multiple choice, and he's going to read the multiple choice. And he's only going to read it once. So you only got one shot, and then you're going to say whether it was A, B, C, or D. And this is part of the test. So the, I get the whole test, but now I get it translated, and I get it verbally. Okay. And then I'll say A, B, C, or D. But the thing is, he's only going to do it once. Okay. In other words, you can't go back and reread it. I can't get a repeat. Mm. You get one shot. One shot. Okay. So he's repeating. He's saying something, and you have to just basically try and guess. Oh, I wasn't guessing. Uh, once he once he read out the answer to me, I knew the answer. Okay. And I'd say, well, that's B. I couldn't read the answer, Christopher. Okay. That's really interesting about language comprehension. I coun't read the answer. Yeah. The answer's item B, but I couldn't read it to understand to make it sound of where I could get it. You knew which one it was, but if they asked you, okay, no, read they, what I what, said? No, no, you're not understanding. Yeah, so I am here's, not. Here's a question. Okay. You read the question, and then you have a multiple choice of what of what the answer is. Okay, that. gotcha. I couldn't read the question okay. to find out what the multiple answer was, even if I could read the multiple answer, which gotcha. is just one word. I understand now, gotcha. And then if I wasn't, I couldn't read that word because some of them were long. <laughs> yeah. Like, folksal? <laughs> How in the heck do you spell folksal much less pronounce it? But I knew what a folksal was. I knew yeah. what the fantail was. Yeah. You know, I knew what the aft steering gear was. Mm-hmm. You know? So they do this. Next thing I know, you're being assigned to the USS Lincoln County out of Long Beach, California. You passed. Welcome aboard. There you go. You've earned your anchor. Wow. Off to the Navy. Tell you what, let's stop there. Okay. And then we'll, we'll get Dave figured out, and then we'll get back to that, because that's a good springboard for what's coming next. Okay. All right. Okay.